hot press.
Live from Las Vegas, the Snake Sports Talk Show with Jake Silva starts right now. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are live in Las Vegas on a spectacular Saturday. It is the Snake Sports Talk Show with your host, Jake the Snake Silva, wherever and however you may be watching and listening. We are live all around on all social media platforms, iHeartRadio, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram. Those are medias. So like, follow, and subscribe. Hit the bell button to give you up to with and fast shows. Bottom half of the hour. I'm excited about it. Divisional round. Prime predictions are going to be coming up. So lots and lots of stuff to talk about. Uh, right now, Jeremy's sitting up on the sidelines for right now. Um, he had been dealing with uh, he had been dealing with COVID, and for right now, he's sitting up onto the sidelines. We honestly wish him um, we wish him the best and hope that he gets better soon, and um, and hopefully he'll be back up onto the show in no time. Um, but man, we had. We had some pretty decent games all throughout the weekend. I mean, the biggest one was obviously Loyola. Uh, Marymount ended up upsetting number six Gonzaga for college basketball. Uh, what a finish that that was. Um, crazy enough as it is. Um, it, it, it is uh, like it is getting to that point, and I always love this every year where you know you come into March Madness. This time of year, it's always the exciting part because even though my birthday's up in March, I get excited about it because that's when the big tournament starts around. Um, I still keep up with some teams, but majority of it, I'm just all in on March Madness every year. So, And it's always a fun part when you start filling out the brackets. So uh, let's get to the bottom of it. So lots and lots of changes all around in the NFL. There's teams that are firing uh, offensive and defensive coordinators. There were some even towards the middle, if not late in the season, where they have fired their head coaches. So every year in the NFL, there is always coaching vacancies that are there. So it depends and determines who are the stronger candidates that are going to be in those positions. So Jim Harbaugh obviously is off the map. He Mentioned to people he's returning back to Michigan. I think it was a smart move because, first of all, he loves Michigan. He's got his family there. And the other part, he's got plenty of power. So why would you end up leaving in a program where you've got all the power on your staff, who you pick and choose, and then not to mention, too, it has turned the page around in this big brand to where now you're a competitive program and they've made it into the college football playoffs um the last couple of years so they've gotten better as time has rolled on now because Jim Harbaugh was a hot commodity going into the NFL's uh coaching vacancies and he was a hot commodity i think he'd be still would be successful in the NFL I mean, he left it with a winning record after being done in San Francisco after everything that happened from there. He still has lots and lots of just, he's got real good connections. But the fact of the matter is, I think it was a smart move to stay in the college football realm because first of all, you're dominating the Big Ten and you've got competitions amongst Ryan Day 
and several others that are there in that conference. So it's getting better as time rolls on. And so if you're having a lot of power and you're having a lot of say about the recruitments and, of course, the players you haul in, why not? I wouldn't leave it. So the only ones that we know are um, there's a lot of young offensive coordinators who are possible hot commodities to go into all these other head coaching vacancies because left in the playoffs right now, seven of the eight coaches are all offensive coaches, all except for one. That's Sean McDermott. He's a defensive coach. So that's what's left. But what I wanted to talk about, um, all in full honesty, was so we now have an interesting topic to talk about, about what is happening in Baltimore. So the Baltimore Ravens know they have a little bit of a um, have a little bit of a concern, but at the same time they're very sure about what they want to do moving forward because a lot of it spirals around. Is Lamar Jackson going to return to the Baltimore Ravens? Some speculations think he is. Some speculations think he's not. Now I know the toughest part is is because he has his mother, who is his agent. That has a lot of say about what is on the table, what works best for Lamar moving forward, and will they get a deal done? And it's as I've said before about Baltimore. If they don't have Lamar Jackson on their roster or out on the field, they are not winning 80% of their games like they are. And the offense, the flow of it looks completely different. So. There was a lot of the speculations because of the fact of, one, he had a lingering injury. I think it was lingering, but I also know that he's smart enough that I know exactly with what he's doing. He's not going to go out on the field and then hurt his, um, his potential if he gets moved somewhere or if in case, you know, whatever the contract speaks, he's not going to be lowballed. So he'd rather just take the injury be on the sideline, it sucks for the team, but in the end, he's talking about contract because a lot of people believe that Lamar Jackson will get franchise tagged, but the thing of it is, there's some quarterbacks who don't want to play in a franchise tag. There's some quarterbacks who, they play on it, but they're expecting a bigger contract in the end. I mean, how many times have you seen Dak Prescott take franchise tags with the, uh, with the Cowboys? There were several times where it was a it was just a huge conversation but then it got to the point where now he's making 40 million a year i don't think he's a 40 million a year type quarterback that's my opinion but they were able to get a deal done now in lamar's case as i've said before he's won an mvp he wins 80% of the games he's won one playoff game i know that's a little bit of a hindering moment for lamar moving forward but again if you lose this kind of talent, would you take the risk of, well, we would win games without him, but then what happens when it comes to playoff games? The team will get better, but they've got to address a lot of issues. They got to address the wide receiver room. They got to address the defense in some areas. They got to address the offense. <coughs> Excuse me. But. There's so much of that that the Baltimore Ravens know they have to be able to get this right. They can't just go into it and hope and expect that 
everything's just going to be fine. Everything is going to be cleared out. That's not how this works in this league. Lamar Jackson is too talented of a player to just at the very least be lowballed, especially, especially after having an MVP season in 2019. He's going to expect more. A lot of these quarterbacks will. I mean, think about it this way. At some point, and this is what's going to suck for Charger fans, because Justin Herbert, he's going to be coming up in a contract talks. If they don't engage in that, then the price gets more expensive. And the Spanos family are cheap. So the last thing you want to do is linger on for as long as you possibly could, and you ain't getting a deal done. So in Lamar's case, he's worth it. He makes the offense better. He makes it speedster. If they don't get a deal done in Baltimore, here's the problem. Um, he may end up being a fit in Miami. I could see that happening. Speedster offense, it's fast all the way around. So I could see where Lamar could fit into an offense like the Dolphins because of how they've spent the offseason. They've got better on the offensive line. They got better offensively with weapons and a run game. And then all they need is just a quarterback. I mean, they have the head coach. Like Mike McDaniel is not the issue. The head coaching has never been the issue. I mean, Brian Flores started 1-7 and seven until he got him to 8-8. Eight and eight. And both of them all finished up almost close to the same way. So it's not a coaching issue. It's more of you just got to have the right player personnel around. But I feel like Baltimore, they can get a deal done. Because the other thing is, Baltimore ended up uh, firing uh, offensive coordinator Greg Roman, which a lot of people have had speculations about him in the first place. <laughs> because they focus more on the run then they do focus a lot on the pass game. Then they said, no, we're going to change that up. We're going to start focusing more on the pass game and such. But I know Lamar is not a pocket quarterback. He's not a pocket quarterback. Even when he's comfortable in the pocket, he'll distribute the football, but he's not like a Herbert. And he's not like um, a Burrow or a Josh Allen at times. No, he's, he's elusive. He's fast. He's going to want to run. He's going to want to get out of the pocket at times. He's going to want to open up spots for the offense to flow. So that's why I'm like, he's not a pocket quarterback. He never has been. So if you get the right offensive coordinator in Baltimore and you get the best out of Lamar Jackson, what's to say he'll stay in Baltimore? You'll get a deal done. I think ultimately what they have to kind of come to terms with, yes, you have a really good defense. And so did the Chicago Bears at one point but they butchered quarterback. They couldn't get any points on the board moving forward, especially when they had Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> you just couldn't get any points on the board because they're not known for offense. They've always been known for defense. So the last thing you want is Baltimore to be like Chicago. They just can't move off defense. They have a defensive repertoire and they're just so good at it. I mean, they extended patch. They extended, uh, Roquan Smith, the five years, $100 million. So, and you don't think Lamar Jackson looked at that deal and thought, are they just going to go defense and then they're just going to kind of butcher the offense? Players pay attention to everything. That's why you got to, that's why you honestly have to evaluate everything that's up and in front of you. But if I'm Baltimore, I'm getting a deal done today. You got to. Because I'm not letting go of one 
really good player that makes Baltimore competitive to where they shoot for the playoffs, at some point, the playoff wins are going to come. I know a lot of people all fantasize about, well, look at what Mahomes is doing and Josh Allen's doing and Joe Burrow's doing. I mean, Justin Herbert and Trevor Lawrence just made it to the first playoffs. And Trevor Lawrence got the win after an embarrassing loss from the Chargers. But you're seeing these guys on their first years. Some succeed, sometimes the others. Takes a little bit of time. Lamar, I know, has had playoff games, but we keep, we, we just keep adding this conversation of, well, he's maybe not that playoff quarterback. I would beg to differ. Lots of, lots of people and a lot of analysts all look about there and they see his talent and they're like, he'll win a playoff game. It all just takes time. But I think Baltimore needs to get this deal done and they need to get it done as soon as possible. All right. Um, <laughs> so interesting news. And of course, you know, spiraling around because we love talking about this player almost all the time, right? So Aaron Rodgers, um, <laughs> I think we're finally kind of coming to sense and we're finally starting to come up with some clarity here because now Aaron Rodgers, and it is really interesting. And I mean, Aaron Rodgers has just been interesting almost all the time. Like, it, you know, so the conversation of this being is that we don't know if Aaron Rodgers really, really is. Um, we don't know if he's staying in Green Bay or if he's leaving. Um, but the conversation was, is that he was on one of the shows. It was on like a small little podcast. And, um, and there was a conversation that he was talking about when it came to whether or not that he will stay or he will leave Green Bay. I think, honestly, that if you're, if you're Aaron Rodgers, because you're in a, you are in a ownership by committee. Like, that's ultimately what, um, <clears throat> that's ultimately what it comes down to. And so, the thing about it is, is that, with Aaron and and he's very close with Pat McAfee, by the way. So he he does talk an awful lot about um you know his possibilities, you know, playing in a different team. Um, you know, because it does it does kind of bring a little more clarity. So um part of the interview is um Like, here's the conversation. So this is what he said on Pat McAfee's show and giving you the audio here on this one. Because, you know, some things uh, don't need to be said, I think, are more understood uh, implicitly. But um, do I still think I can play, of course? Can I play at a high level? Yeah. The highest. I think I can win MVP again in the right situation. Um Right situation is that Green Bay or is that somewhere else? I'm not sure, um, but I don't think you should shut down any you know opportunity. Like I said during the season, it's got to be you know both uh, both sides uh, you know like actually wanting you know to work together moving forward. And uh, I think there's you know more conversations to be had. Um, I think no player wants to be part of any type of rebuild. I said that years ago. 
reloads are a lot of fun because you feel like you're close. You're only a couple guys away. This game is about relationships. It's about the players you play with and count on, even if uh, they don't maybe show up huge in the stat book. A guy like Mercedes Lewis is an important cog in the wheel of the locker room and the momentum of the team. That's a, uh, they don't. So it's obvious that Aaron Rodgers, and of course, with what the clarity that we're seeing in front of our eyes now is he's met, he's obviously he's putting it down of whether or not he's going to stay up in Green Bay. It almost sounds like he's not going to stay in Green Bay. Like I couldn't make, I couldn't make this up, but the whole entire interview and behind that, I think it's a shot at the Packers because first and foremost, and he said it himself. I mean, he's a kind, like, he's 39 years old. And if he's still playing to the highest level uh, possible where he's making MVP numbers, and he even said it, if he wins an MVP, it'll be in the right situation. And we're all curious as to what that situation is. So, for Aaron, I think the biggest part that you have to ask yourself is, do you see yourself still in this particular situation with Green Bay, or do you see yourself elsewhere? I've said it over and over again. I feel like <clears throat> Nashville may be his calling. I think the Titans would be a perfect fit because of the fact of you have a really good veteran head coach in uh, Mike Vrabel. Plus, if they go and get a deal done with Aaron Rodgers to get him there, what makes you think they won't get on the phone? They won't get on the phone and they'll call up the Arizona Cardinals to possibly acquire DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, you want to do this right because everybody felt emotional on that loss against the Eagles when A.J. Brown returned to Tennessee. I mean, you all felt it. I mean, the next day, they fired their GM. It was all out of, it was all out of emotion. That's why I said to a lot of people. They got embarrassed on national television but do you really blame all around the talent for Tennessee? They got a really good defense. They've got a really strong head coach. And by the way, Traylon Burks is good. I know he's not A.J. Brown, but still, he's going to give you something. I've always said this about year two wide receivers, because could you imagine how Christian Watson will play? Could you imagine a lot of these other you know wide receivers going into year two, how well they'll produce? I'm telling you, I'm not leaving that off the table. Aaron, I think, would be a better fit in Nashville because the people there are fantastic. It's great food, it's great living, it's country style, and I think it really does suit him because he's a spiritual person and he's very real and he's very much a you know a people person. So why not? And then bring them bringing in DeAndre Hopkins going back into the AFC South. I think wouldn't even be a bad idea because then it rewrites the wrong about A.J. Brown. So I think you could get a deal done with it, but it tells you a lot about what is going on in Green Bay because clearly they're always stuck in this whole, like this, this whole realm because Aaron, is he playing or not? Is he retiring or not? Because then you've also got Jordan Love that you're lingering on as well, and clearly the kid can play. I don't care what anybody else says. So there is so much of those potentials for Green Bay that they've got to get it fixed. So this is why I, I just I, I'm a little fascinated, but at the same time, 
this is kind of the stuff that's leaking out. And again, Pat McAfee, very respectful guy. He's funny. Like, I love his content, and I love a lot of his stuff. So when he gets, when he gets Aaron Rodgers on and he asks him those questions, people want to know. So, and again, when he's talking about right situation and, what, and where that may be, because I look at Green Bay, Christian Watson will get better. The defense is really, really good. Aaron Jones is an absolute stud. And you've also got another two-headed monster in A.J. Dillon. You've got real good assets all around. But the only question is, could Matt LaFleur really rebound after last season? He missed the playoffs. So, I don't know. I think, honestly, when it comes to Aaron Rodgers, I mean, he's getting up to that point in age. We're talking about this with Tom Brady. I don't know, honestly, if Tom Brady's going to play or not. I honestly think that he should hang these up after what we've seen through this season. I don't. I wouldn't risk having him back up out there, especially with everything that he's gone through in his life. I wouldn't take that risk. So I think that if you're going to be doing something right and you're going to end up making the right situational uh, decision, I think that should be talked about, and I think that should be evaluated. But again, I think Aaron Rodgers, he'll be good anywhere around, but it depends on what the price may be for everybody else. and. Is would he be fully invested in that? I mean, he even mentioned it. He loves reloads because at the very least, they're upgrading on talents and they're striving to hit the playoffs and win playoff games. But he doesn't like rebuilds. And clearly, Green Bay is right there on that brink of rebuilding. Now, they're not terrible because they have a really good defense and they've also got some good offensive pieces that are only going to get better. So, uh, again, it's just one of those tough, hard conversations that I'm sure Aaron and the rest of the organization, they got to have at some point. So, all right. <clears throat> Still got at least a lot more to talk about, but um, the bottom half of the hour, as I've said, playoff prime predictions as well is right around the corner. I absolutely do love my picks and I'm excited for what this round is really going to be. So, um, so coming up next, because the up-and-coming draft is coming up very, very soon. And I know a lot of people, um, from just from what we're seeing, there is so much that we are looking at and how that we're going to really see it before our very eyes. And because this draft, we only got maybe three, possibly four quarterbacks. I'm going to evaluate at least all four of those quarterbacks going into this draft and what exactly fate is in store for them moving forward. That is going to be coming up next. All right, folks. Well, playoff, um, the playoffs are still going on. And, man, it has been absolutely ecstatic. It's been really, really good. But you know what makes it even better? Showing off your fandom for all your favorite teams, for all your favorite players, of all your favorite sports. So much going on. NFL playoffs still going on all the way to the road to Super Bowl 57. And NBA still going on strong. NHL baseball season is going to be right up around the corner. So show off your fandom when you go online to fanatics.com. They have hundreds of thousands of different choices and styles for you to rep for your favorite team. From all major sports, from apparels, hats, accessories, and so 
much more. What are you waiting for? Because prices, they are getting better and better, and you don't want to miss out on all the daily deals. Link is in bio and right in the description. Fanatics.com. Show off your fandom and shop now at Fanatics.com.
Like I said before, folks, great deals going on on Fanatics. You don't want to end up missing out on all of your playoff here. I'm excited for how the rest of the playoffs is really going to end up panning out. Well, we've had a lot of just different changes. So I went 3-3 three and three this past weekend with all the prime prediction picks. And I was confident in all of them. Don't get me wrong. I was very confident in every single one of the picks that I had. Um, but there is a lot of truths that come out of it. So I think for this one, when we're right here in the bottom half of the hour, it's going to be really good. Um, so the NFL draft is going to be coming up. It does every year um, right around late April, almost close to almost closest to May. But this draft class is going to be really, really interesting to see because this year and possibly next year will be really interesting to see on one position, and that's the quarterback. So there's four, possibly five quarterbacks that will go into this draft, and it'll be interesting to see how they pan out, All of, like just depending on where they go. But I think these are going to be great scenarios. So of the quarterbacks, and I'll bring up this list right here, but I already know the, the couple of them that are right off the top of my head. There's Will Levis, there's Bryce Young, C.J. Shrout, and, um, and, I also, and I think there's one other quarterback as well that I mentioned. Um, but it will be interesting to see every bit of their production, every bit of their talent, and just how that they're going to really pan out in the in the middle of, you know, in the in the middle of the season. So, looking at it, and so taking a look at some of these prospects that we've seen. So obviously we've got Bryce Young. So let's start with a little bit of an evaluating before we get into the prime prediction. So Bryce Young, he's five eleven, and he's a hundred ninety four pounder. So he's close to two hundred. And everybody knows he's a top five pick. There's no doubt about that. Um, he had completed 65% of his throws, threw for 3,300 yards, and 32 touchdowns with five picks, and also picked up four more touchdowns on the ground. So he's a quarterback that I think in some instances will, at some point, you know, he'll... He'll run out of the pocket at times. I don't think Bryce Young is really a pocket quarterback type, but I think when he does, he's pretty explosive. And he's got a great release to the football. That's why Alabama likes him so much because of the way that he could distribute the ball. My only concern with Bryce is this, is that because of his size at 5'11", now not a lot of quarterbacks do succeed that well being smaller because you're you're playing against... um. You're playing against defensive players that are just going to knock you around. I mean, I watched Tua, and I watched several other smaller quarterbacks. Now, the exception to that rule has always been um, Drew Brees and Russell Wilson. They're small guys, but they can be elusive out of the pocket, and they could just let the ball loose. So there is an upside to Bryce Young, and several teams now have kind of inquired. There is... You know, there's talks of do the Chicago Bears part ways with Justin Fields, maybe trading him away to 
at least a better organization. If that's the case, I would say the Jets should get on the phone. They should at the very least go and try to, to strive to get Justin Fields because you've got kind of a bust pick now with J- with Zach Wilson and you're trying to make this work. And Justin Fields, he clearly works, but he has to work in the right situation. Chicago is not a place that really does thrive their quarterbacks in a lot of their offense. We've been saying that now for the last few years. Now they've they've acquired a lot of draft picks and they've also acquired um, a lot of like retaining with salaries and such. They've acquired a lot of uh, they've acquired a lot of their free agency cap, so they are going to be big spenders this year. But if that's the case, they could possibly draft Bryce Young. But I don't know if I I really truthfully see that happening. It's just a lot of speculation. But of course, the Texans they're high on that list, and if in fact it does come to either Indianapolis or Carolina, which I really doubt that that's going to happen because of just the talent and the um, the production that Bryce Young has put up. Uh, number two, C.J. Strout, 6'3", 215. And here's where I think he'll be a hot commodity too. He'll be a sneaky uh, quarterback out of this draft because I think, honestly, we would see something similarly to what we saw two years, now three years ago, with Justin Herbert. Because, and what I mean by that, So he had 66% of his throws, 3,600 yards, 41 touchdowns, six interceptions. And he's a high first rounder. The reason his production and, of course, his his talent level and his worth went up is because did you all see that game against, um, against Georgia? I thought he played his absolute best. And it's almost as similarly like we watched Justin Herbert in the Rose Bowl against Wisconsin, and he was playing all out. And he had great games too. And he's one quarterback that knows how to throw the football. He's very accurate at it. I mean, he could throw the deep ball. And there are teams, like the only thing that I look at with C.J. Stroud is you've got to build an offense around that player. Much like, I mean, this was a match made in heaven when Justin Herbert got uh, drafted by the Chargers because why? He's got Keenan Allen. He's got Mike Williams. He's got, you know, they're going to need more offensive weapons, but you can't never not have enough weapons if you know exactly what I mean. So, and watching his game against Georgia, man, did he let loose. He looked much more like, (laughs) he looked like that was the player that we all anticipated that he would be. Throws the football, the football well, and he's very accurate. And he's going to be one like Justin Herbert, like which will be sneaky in the draft because this happens every year. There's four or five quarterbacks that go in. Only one of them, you know, may be a miss. There's times where either one or two or three of them, they're all hits. Never ever do we rarely see all four or five of them hit all at once. So depending on his situation, I mean, Carolina could be a nice place because they have DJ Moore. They do have some wide receivers. I think they could go and get more because, and also too, they have a really good defense. Now it'll be interesting to see because if Steve Wilkes is still going to coach, so it'll be interesting. Number three, Will Levis, 6'3", 232. A lot of people have been talking about this kid because he's completed 65% of his throws, throwing for 2,400 yards, 19 touchdowns, and 10 interceptions. Now, Levis, I know it, there's some skepticism about Will Levis because 
They don't know whether or not if he really is consistent with his accurate throws and the teams, depending on the fit in the situation, that he works. Um, I think he's a good kid. I've watched a lot of his throws. I watched a, some of his highlights, and I think he's really talented. But let's just say you go into a scenario and you go into a place where there's there's optimism there and you've got an offense. You have to build an offense for quarterbacks like this because at least with his development and his draft stock, he could be another one of those sneaky uh, quarterbacks going into that draft. I don't know. There's a possibility for that. But I know with Will Levis and some of these quarterbacks, because when it reminds me, like, I mean, first of all, he's from Kentucky. So some of these quarterbacks from these programs, they are hit or miss. But I think when you look a little deeper with Will Levis, he could be an interesting quarterback. He really could be. I mean, I know what I'm getting with Bryce Young. I know what I'm getting with CJ Stroud. I don't know what I'll get with Will Levis. But I know he's got talent, and I know he's going to be one that's going to distribute the football really, really well. Um, number four, Anthony Richardson from Florida, 6'4", 236. Um, and I, I think, honestly, he, he may be a sneaky player. He's completed, but here's the other thing, though. He's completed 54% of his throws, 2,500 yards, 17 touchdowns, nine picks. Now, Anthony Richardson... <clears throat> There is room for improvement, but like Will Levis, you've got to put him in the right place. You cannot risk putting him in the wrong position where he can't thrive. He can't play well. So I think the two, because these are four quarterbacks. Every year, we always have four quarterbacks that go into this draft and either one, two, or three of the four hit. There is Always one dud in the middle of the in the middle of the pile. There always is, like, um, because last year this is what we got. We got Matt Corral. We had gotten um Desmond Ritter, which we don't know a lot about Corral because he's been all out for the entirety of the season due to an injury. But Desmond Ritter, I think he's a good kid. I just don't think he's the future of Atlanta. I don't know if he you could really put him in that position. Um. Sam Howell, late round draft pick. Washington likes him. I don't know what you might do with that, but they're still retaining Carson Wentz. From the, from the looks of it and the sound of it, they look like they still want to continue to develop with Carson Wentz. So there's a possibility from there. And the only player that really shined was Kenny Pickett. I thought Kenny Pickett was very, very... um accurate and he's also somebody that really knows how to control the flow of the game so and i think because you're not paying him anything pittsburgh kind of has a really good lucky gem in front of them so now all they have to do is fix the o-line make the defense a little better especially up on the fronts and on the edges and these guys got to get healthy but they did draft george pickens they did have they do have uh deontay johnson they do have a lot of really good assets so it's just about protecting the pocket for Kenny Pickett to throw, plus giving Najee Harris more time to, to run and give him open spots. Malik Willis, I don't know if it was just an offensive coordinating problem because they did fire their OC, but he hadn't thrown the ball a lot. I can't even make an, an evaluation on Malik Willis if I haven't seen him throw the ball. So <clears throat> that's just one that's really 
questionable to me, but Kenny Pickett was a hit. All the rest of them, Corral out for the season, can't make an evaluation. Malik Willis didn't throw a whole lot, can make an evaluation. Desmond Ritter, good kid, not a future for Atlanta. And then, um, you know, Kenny Pickett was the only hit, and Sam Howell, I mean, he was just one of those late-round gems. That's usually how it is for the NFC. A year ago, we had Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and uh, and we had a couple of other quarterbacks, but Trevor Lawrence is clearly the number one overall pick. I mean, Zach Wilson, he's clearly a dud and a bust. And Justin Fields, Chicago doesn't know how to handle him, but I know Fields has production. I know Fields has a really good positive upside. But that's up to Chicago if they really want to make that work. So, and again, the draft class that's very, very rare. Joe Burrow, Tua, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts. Three of the four have succeeded. And Tua, I mean, he's very accurate. He's close to being the fourth that hit. So it's very rare you get a draft like that where all four quarterbacks really do hit. So Bryce Young, C.J. Strout, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson. Next year, you're going to have Caleb Williams and Drake May. And those are going to be some interesting quarterbacks to look forward to. The evolution of quarterbacks right now in the league is outstanding. Like, the, the, this is the crazy thing. In the AFC, they're all thriving in that conference because it's a higher, it's a, <clears throat> it's a high productive conference. But, there is high expectations in that conference. So this is fun, but the NFC's got to get more competitive because they find a lot of hidden gems. They don't go for a lot of first-round talents. So it'll be interesting to see how the NFC really balances themselves because as I look at it, the NFC's wide open, but there is still a lot of question marks that I still have for a lot of teams. But it'll be interesting moving forward because I think with these guys, and then next year, Caleb Williams and Drake May, the NFL's just going to be, <laughs> NFL is just going to be killing it every single year. Because all of these quarterbacks, they're being trained differently. They're getting healthier. Very, like, it, it, it's just amazing to see. But I think a lot of these quarterback talents, it'll be interesting. But again, I think Bryce Young and CJ Strout, I know what I'm getting with them. Will Levis is questionable, and so is Anthony Richardson. But if only as long as they're in the right place, because you can't put them in the wrong situation, you got to know by the ownership, you got to know by the general managing, and you got to know with what offense you have. So, all right. Well, that's enough for me for as far as uh, <laughs> evaluating, but let's get to these prime prediction plays. All odds are provided by Superdraft Pro, as you know, more than just a drafting app and a daily fantasy app as well. It's one that you could definitely make some serious money up on. Sportsbook is available. Now uh, player props are available. So all odds are provided by Superdraft Pro. Here we go with playoff predictions. Divisional round. Let's turn it up. It's a prime prediction. Divisional round. Jaguars and Chiefs. I'm going to take Kansas City Chiefs up in this game. 
I know a lot of people are all thinking, you know, Jacksonville, they might actually have a shot. But I think personally for me, Kansas City, their offense is just unbelievable. They know how to score. They know how to be, you know, hyper-athletic in a lot, a lot of places. But I think for the Jaguars, it was such a great come-from-behind game against the Chargers that their defense was very, very different. I liked it. I thought it was interesting. But... There's so much of this that you could literally evaluate when it comes to Jacksonville. But Kansas City, they're great off the bye. Andy Reid is just that kind of coach where he knows how to coach up his squad. He knows how to coach up his players. They stay healthy. So I think the Chiefs, it's hard to win in Arrowhead during playoff season. It really is. So you have that up in place. I think Jacksonville could make this a game. But after what we saw from last week, you're not going to get that again. So it's going to be you got to get everybody involved. And I know because these are two playoff caliper coaches, Doug Peterson and Andy Reid. So it'll be interesting to see how this all works out. But I think Kansas City, they got an upper edge. I'm going to take them at eight and a half to win at home 30 to 20 against the Jets. Giants at Eagles. I'm going to take the New York Giants with the points, but knowing Philadelphia is going to win this game. First of all, uh, Philadelphia and Jalen Hurts. I mean, Jalen Hurts is kind of banged up. So to me, even though that they've got the bot, they got well rested, but they're going to want to shake off some of that rust off their shoulders because a lot of these players, they got to stay healthy. They got to stay active. And Jalen Hurts, hopefully by then, he does not feel pretty shook up. But the Giants, by the way, when they played against Minnesota, what worked against the Vikings? The run game, they were just getting destroyed. And so Minnesota's defense was just absolutely suspect. But Daniel Jones, and he looked like a completely different quarterback. I was working out one day, and I'm watching Jones just run through the field, and I'm seeing him distribute the football. This is part of Brian Dable's success that he had in Buffalo as an offense and lowered down mistakes. I think you're going to get the best out of Daniel Jones. I don't know. If just, I don't think the Giants might win, but it'll be one of those close games. I just don't see Philadelphia going over seven and a half. I just don't because some of these players, they got to remain healthy, but it's all about the flow and the tempo of the game. So I'm going to take the Giants plus the points, seven and a half, with Philadelphia winning 28-24, I think it'll be an interesting game. I think this one might be a highlight reel for the agent. Bengals at Bills. I'm going to take the Buffalo Bills here up in this game. They've got a lot to play for. Now, first of all, they had no business keeping Miami in that game. I don't know what the hell happened with their offense, and not to mention, too, their defense was just getting obliterated, and it made that game so close. I think... Sean McDermott, I know as a defensive coach, he is super Josh Allen reliant, but sometimes you cannot be like that in some of those uh, areas. Josh Allen is not the Superman. We watched Justin Herbert last weekend <clears throat> where he's got to carry the Chargers franchise. You cannot be like that because that's not an identity. I know what their identity is. They're tough, they're physical, they can run the football well when they have a run game, and their offense is explosive. They're like Mike Tyson of the NFL. So, but it's a lot of those small, tedious plays. So that's why they've got to make it work. So I think the Bills do recover from last week's mess. 
and I think they go on to win 35 to 27. I think Joe Burrow and Josh Allen, man, I'm going to be glued to that television to seeing how both will play. The only hard part is Cincinnati's losing two of their offensive linemen. So, and against a pass rush like Buffalo, don't know if I don't know if Cincinnati really does have it in them. So, I'm going to take the Bills to win 35-27. Cowboys at 49ers. I know, I know. Everybody is all amping up about the Cowboys. And it's like, oh, man. So, but the only thing is you're playing against San Francisco. Now, I know the tough part for the 49ers is because Brock Purdy is so good. He's a rookie. And sometimes, too, like, there are rookies that do get a little bit of the jitters. But what I saw last week against Seattle, now, Seattle's not a big defense. Okay, they're, they're good. They're young. But it's not a great defense like what they're stepping into against Dallas. So that's going to be tough competition. But slow things down. Went into the second half, and man, the second half, the defense was explosive. So I thought it was great. So I think, honestly, the San Francisco 49ers are going to build off that win last week against the Seahawks. Dallas, on the other hand, they completely steamrolled um, Tampa Bay because the offense was abysmal. The defense was playing really, really well. Micah Parsons still playing on a high level. And by the way, Dak Prescott, five touchdowns. Pretty impressive, but cannot be Dak reliant. That's the one thing about the Cowboys. All eyes are going to be on Mike McCarthy and on Dak Prescott because here we are again. Between Dallas and San Francisco from last year. Remember, this came down to one possession play. That's it. So, I think the Niners do get the job done. I think Kyle Shanahan is very innovative and he's very creative at what he does. And he's going to make this thing, this puppy work. So I'm going to take the three and a half points for the 49ers. Give me them to win 28-23. Gold rushing all the way around in the Bay Area. They're going to win it 28-23. All right. So that's how it's going to look like, at least for this divisional round. I'm excited for it. So I've got all three favorites, only except one dog, because I just think the favorites are calling out. There's not a lot of dogs barking this weekend. So Chiefs, Bills, 49ers, and then the Giants to cover the points, still knowing that the Eagles are going to win this game. So that's how I'm feeling for this weekend. And I think further and beyond, it's just going to be an, an interesting playoff right down the stretch. So, all righty, folks, that's going to do it for me on the Snake Sports Talk Show. Thank you all so much for being here up on the show. If you haven't done so already, like, follow, Subscribe, hit the bell button for all latest notifications. Plus, send me a rating and a review on all audio podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, uh, Spotify, and of course, uh, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find all of your podcasts, leave me a review. Leave me uh, some ratings as well of what you think of the show. Because I love to hear from you, the fans. You guys tune into me almost every weekend. So I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on the show. So stay active with me on the Snakes Sports Talk Show. Keep yourselves up to date on future and past shows. I appreciate every one of you guys. We will see you on the next episode of the Snakes Sports Talk Show. Have a great day, and we'll see you soon.